he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Here we are back with you for another episode of Bolotified. This is your one and only show about event entertainment, the dazzling, sometimes tragic world that Alex and I live in. Uh, <laughs> Alex, my cohort here in crime at Bolotta. Hello. What's going it's on, good kiddo? To be here. You know, same old, same old, virtually and wishing it were live sometimes. Enjoying You're at the virtual. office now. You're at the office. Yes. Yeah. It's probably uh, cooking there, isn't it? Lots of activity. I'm a bunny. Actually, right. was one of the names when I did a show was Bunny. bunny. So I am a bunny. Bunny what? Yes. Just funny. That's what the stage manager called me. Oh, the stage For manager sounds like a little crushed. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell her you said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my Lord, the things we learn on these podcasts. I'm telling you, there's more to me than beats the eye, my friend. Oh, I know there is. There's a lot of stories <laughs> in that alley. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's warm in here. You know, today I wanted to talk about uh, the idea of, of being funny, you know, and what it takes to be funny has been on my mind because it's not so easy. And, you know, we, I think we take for granted having worked with Jay Leno recently and learning, uh, and this was the second time, but learning this time um, that he actually wrote his own jokes when he was starting out. I didn't know and, that. Yeah, and he wrote them at a very fast pace. Uh, he would go into the clubs weekly and have new material, which is very difficult because you work up an act. You you know you have to work up those moments, and as as lighthearted as they seem, that's as well crafted as they are. And so I've you know I've just been thinking because it just feels like everybody's trying to be funny on the internet, you know? Right. Are I'm seeing a lot of tic tac funny. Uh, and it, it is a little easier to be funny in some ways. Ver visually, it's a little easier to be funny. The tools are there. But crafting humor is never easy, you know, because there's always the fine line. There's the politics of comedy, the culture of comedy. People are either going to be very liberal with their comedy or very conservative and what they're willing to listen to. Um, there's witty comedy, which in my estimation, is the highest level, that sort of clever comedy, agree. right? When it comes back and hits you in the face a third time at the end of the routine that you didn't see it coming, you know, that clever wit, the, uh, you know, the, the ability to observe and make stupid, like Jerry Seinfeld used to make the stupidest nonsense funny, you know, um, it, it's just, it's a talent and it's a craft. And, you know, I've just been giving a lot of thought to it and I'm amazed and just, 
I feel so unfunny right now. <laughs> it's hard to be funny when you're talking about funny because funny is a serious business, right? It, well, it sure is. I mean, <laughs> not to be glib, but, uh, you know, ask Robin Williams yes. or anybody who, you know, took the same fate. Yeah. It's very hard to be funny and to be, to be the person that people rely on to be funny. And people are... Um, you know, we are a little callous mm -hmm. and we, we do get a little rough in our expectations. A little unforgiving. A little unforgiving. And I don't, I certainly don't um, envy anybody that has to be in that position to feel like you have to be on because somebody, some person decided that you should be funny because you're that guy. Why aren't you funny? I mean, that's, you know, it's demoralizing. And so, and it happens a lot. And, and so it's not an easy profession and it's not an easy profession to maintain. No, no, people don't understand. There's a lot of prep. There's a lot of mental, physical, emotional energy that goes in to walking out on that stage and doing what you do. It isn't, sometimes it can be a switch when you're just at ease and it's all, but it isn't always a switch that you flip on and off. There's, there's steps to getting that switch to the on position. And there are always steps in that process that, that are technical or out of your control that always make it new and exciting and frightening and fraught with fear mm -hmm. because they're the things that can go wrong that you can't control that, you're, that remain on your mind, right? So there's, there's always that. I don't know how people want to be famous today. I don't understand why people want to be famous. It seems like terribly hard hard work and it's thankless really yeah. i mean yeah. i think oprah is maybe one of the few celebrities that people really adore and don't give a hard time to but i'm not in her personal entourage so i could be completely wrong she might have people calling her racial epitaphs you know i mean i wouldn't be surprised in today's america if that's happening so i guess i shouldn't make those statements but i don't imagine why people would want to be famous and so and and then be on stage trying to crack jokes right you know? and now with uh the internet and social media and everything we're open to even more criticism it's one thing when it's you and an auditorium and they've all paid money and they've come to see you. Now that things are, are our scope is broadening. Mm -hmm. We're open up to so much more. And that's a positive and it's also a negative. It's going to work for some and for others, they're going to have to find their niche. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, it, but that's the beauty of this is it doesn't discount the niche market. It actually will help those who can develop their own niche markets uh, and sort of um, the spell of the need to be in person if they can get the energy there with comedy at least because it is a give and take mm -hmm. you know it's it's there is no fourth wall mm -mm. sketch comedy yes but not stand up we didn't do this. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the different kinds of comedy because I think people don't understand what sketch comedy is or improvisational comedy is. Not it's everyone, right? Not everybody understands how that is, how that works. Well, let's just quickly say stand up is exactly what it sounds like a person with a microphone and an audience. There is no dialogue, there is no 
uh, go between somebody and somebody else on stage. It's direct and presentational, and it can vary in style. Uh, it could be set up, set up joke or story with an ending, but it's all the same kind of thing. It could be based on, you know, different topics and such, but it's all presentational. Then there's sketch, right? Which is what yeah. we see on, on uh, Saturday Night Live and other sketch comedy shows where they're actually acting out funny scenes based on interpretations or um, just making fun of somebody. Um, and generally they're very broad kinds of humor when you do sketch comedy, right? It's yes. not small, it's usually not witty unless of course you're English. And everything it's not is not highbrow comedy. Not highbrow, um, uh, and it involves a cast of characters, and and characters, not people, but characters, because the comedy is based on the characterizations that they bring to the table to the sketch. Right then, the improvisational is based on sort of uh, tenets of of um, making things up, if you will, as you go along. Very easily said. And in some improvisation, you're given suggestions and you have to go on that. And in others, you're creating it from the ground up, you know, self-suggestions, if you will. But the idea is that it's going, it's going to go into, into any number of directions uh, based on some variables, right? It's not totally out in, in the dark, based on some variables and some techniques that sort of help to bring it in when it's necessary and, and allow it to go into a number of different directions. It's all terrifying to me. It is, and then there, there is sort of the idea that people have a comic timing and the idea of comic timing, which is a very real thing. Some people feel it and some people don't. And I think if you have a sense of humor, you're apt to feel it. And if you don't, you are not. That's my personal feeling on the subject. I don't think anybody's ever measured it. Um, That'd be interesting. It would be, it would be interesting to know. But the idea is that you have this sense of timing and know when to breathe, when to pause, when to jump, so that the moment really is funny because it might not necessarily be funny just on face alone, just through the dialogue. So, you know, you have to add something to it. And that comic timing is what, a lot of writers will sort of rely on when they're writing comedy because it's a marriage, it's a relationship. The, if the material is not funny, then it's up to the performance or the characters to make it funny. And oftentimes that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. um, it's not what's being said, it's how it's being said, especially on Saturday Night Live. That I think is true more than not. It's I the agree. character they bring. The situation in which they put the character, which is often reminiscent of something we just saw, real and live, so we can connect. But what's funny is you know what they're going to say. It's going to be bull, right? It's going to be it's going to be farcical. But it's how they deliver it, and it's it's the interpretation that is really funny. But then there are then there's really funny writing, like like what's your favorite favorite example of? funny writing, like undeniably. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to date myself. Um, for me, Carol Burnett, the Carol Burnett show had some of the funniest skits ever. Yes. I think that I have, I have to think about that. I agree. Funny, 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 funny. The sketches okay. were hilarious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But a lot of that, again, I don't know. I don't know if well, I agree. Inter interpretation, her antics, her ability to bring those characters to life. 
Well, and it was also when it would break free and all the improv started happening right. and they had this relationship as a simpatico with all of the performers that they just went with it. So it was a tr there was true improv happening there. Yeah. And that that's when it was hysterical. And so I know that we have somebody funny do. on the other side of this wall. Tell us who we have. Well, he has certainly jumped into this realm very quickly and, and very easily. Uh, he's been everywhere. He's, he's based from Southern California. Wait, 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 wait. The comedy realm or the virtual realm? Uh, both the comedy. He's, he's jumped into the virtual realm as a comedian okay yeah okay. so sorry i was not clear on that and he's been all over he's toured canada he's toured the u.s um oh he has he's been all over uh, yeah all over he's all over the place he's all over, he's all over the place uh, and he's had his own netflix special called ask your mom which i love hmm. um, and that is that it's available on amazon um so please welcome our very funny guest mr don friesen hello don hey, don't I hey, don. Nice. nice touch man nice touch you gotta bring your own intro music these things are you in I'm la right now i am in la i'm in uh i've been in la uh, within about a 50 foot range of here for the last uh, <laughs> five months. So Don, I, I wanted to ask you something right off the bat because it just doesn't seem possible to me. Is, is Don your real name? You don't look like a Don. Not you know what me. I must look like is a uh, Dan because I swear every other person calls me Dan after they meet me and hear my name and I don't even correct them. I have to assess like, am I gonna see this person again in my life? No, I won't correct them. If yes, and I'm like, I better correct me now because it's, eventually it's going to bug me. It's not Donald, it's just Don. It's Don, yes. Don. I would like you to know as well that I Google. Actually, no, I, actually, technically it is Donald, but I just go by Don. So you're, you're lying to me already, man. You're already starting <laughs> off. It's actually Donald J, which I'm embarrassed oh, to say. Oh, I know, right? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That stays I, in this room. Well, in my Google history, you come up before him. I just want you to know. I was the highest comedian Don for a couple of years and then Don Rickles died and he became relevant through his death. Not that he wasn't always relevant, he's much, <laughs> I, I'm not comparing myself to him. But right. He just didn't have an online presence. Right. And then all of a sudden he just, and that was the beginning right. of the end. Now I'm and slipping. I, I don't know that he was really working towards the end of his life. He had a long life and a yeah. long career. Very long. Very long. He uh, is an inspiration to comedians who either want to do this the rest of their life or at this point might need to just to catch back up. <laughs> just, just to uh, stay sane. Stay or get. So tell me about um, how you embarked on this career of comedy. Why comedy? Uh, I guess the, the short jokey answer, but it's kind of true. Is I, I sucked at real estate. But um, yeah. I, I did a lot of different things and I couldn't find my path and I was just trying to learn how to survive as an adult in my early 20s and I went back to school for real estate. I was selling commercial real estate and wanted to do that uh, for a living or so I thought, you know, that was a, a path that presented itself to me in a discussion that's longer than this show. For another time. For it, right. And I got to my senior year in college and, uh, you know, I was really just not feeling the real estate thing. I was kind of disillusioned with, with the business and selling it part-time while I was going to school. And I just decided to 
stretch out my school and have some fun. I was going, I was going through a bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. I was flat broke, barely getting by. Yeah, and so I, I basically uh, tried improv. I took an improv class and immediately was stricken. I mean, I just loved it, and I was, and I was so scared to be on stage my whole life before that. I had, I was, huh. I'm a natural introvert, um, believe it or not. I couldn't and, tell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a knack for it. People laughed at it. I enjoyed it. And it felt like this is, you know, whether I'm broke now, uh, I, as long as I'm at rock bottom, I might as well expand my options. And I, I figured I would just do this until, it, you know, until it hit. And was that the motivation to start Comedus Interruptus at USC? Because I understand yeah. you're the founder of this renowned comedy organization at yeah. USC that it went on to live is. in perpetuity. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because you say that and, and if I didn't know you, I mean, it sounds like you could be being sarcastic, but it really right. is a renowned uh, organization. I mean, it's it's amazing. They've got several, uh, I think, uh, Jason Reitman and several Saturday Night Live alums have come out of that tree. But, but you uh, gave roots to something, man. You gave, gave roots, roots to something. Yeah, that must feel good. It feels great. I, I do want to share something with you, though, because maybe since you gave roots to this organization, you're going to want to do something about it. And that is Wikipedia is about to let the page that's dedicated to Comedus Interruptus go from their uh, from their cachet. So I think you, you might want to really? jump on that. Yeah, they're they're talking about, you know, letting it just go. I, I was on there today and I was very discouraged and I thought this is no way to honor a man like Don Friesen to, you know, I see this. I didn't know how it got on there. <laughs> oh, it's, well, it's there, but it's apparently won't be there for very much longer. Wow. Yeah, your name is associated with it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah, hope, of course, but, you know, you um, are credited, but. Uh, uh, huh, I'll have to see, I see what's involved. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You should maybe want to do something about that. I, I, I highly, I strongly suggest it. I have no idea what to do, but definitely do something for sure. Okay, deal. <laughs> So also, you won what, what I understand was a very prestigious uh, San Francisco Comedy Festival two years in a row, never been done? Um, won it twice, which has never been won twice. Twice? It was okay. There was a few years in between. Okay, thanks um, for the honesty. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's sure. so prestigious about this? Um, well, it's the longest running. It's about 45 years by now. Um, the initial, a lot of very famous uh, comedians have won it over the years. Have been in the finalists: uh, Robin Williams, Dana Carvey, Ellen DeGeneres, Sinbad. Um, these were the early winners and finalists. Um, and it's uh, unlike other competitions that are usually a night or three nights or five nights. It's a four-week competition um, that just dwindles down. They start off with twenty or thirty people and. You know, this is out of like three or four hundred that submit every year. And um, anyways, it's it's a very grueling competition. So it's the as comedy competitions go, it's it's considered you know the the gold star. Wow. Yeah, that is grueling. Four weeks of competition. Yeah. How many nights are you playing in a competition like that? How many nights are you on? Five or six nights typically. Wow. And short sets, I assume. Well, the first there's actually two preliminary weeks. So you're doing five to seven minutes in the first week. And then, uh, so you take one of those two weeks off. So you're really only involved in three out of the four weeks because there's two early heats. Mm -hmm. um, semifinals are 10 to 12 minutes. 
and then the finals are 15 to 20 minutes and it dwindles down from like 20 or 30 people to 10 to 5. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'd love for you to just chat a little bit with the audience about what it takes to put together an act and how time really does affect what you're able to do. Uh, we had something a few weeks ago, right? We asked you to do right, five right. to seven minutes and you explained right. how, you know, you have to work to make that work. Could you just share that a bit? Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, every, every comedian is different to some extent to what their comfort zone is, to how, how they work. Um, a lot of comedians are just built for the five minute set. I mean, they, they do things in TV increments and they have short jokes and they have chunks. My act, um, I, I like doing an hour more than I like doing anything really, 15 minutes to an hour. Um, because a lot of my act, uh, builds and I, I, I do bits that are, they're not really stories, but the, they have a beginning and a middle and an end, but then they one goes after the other, and then there's lots of fallback. It builds. It, it builds. builds, and it's a consistent kind of persona. And people, the, the longer I'm up there, the more they're kind of syncopatic with what I'm doing. They they get where I'm coming from. They get the rhythms. Um, so, and the callbacks are referring to something you might have said yeah. earlier in the routine, right? So there's this pullback to what you said. So this this brings up um, actually another point, and that is um, you you talked about your style, which is a little bit more storytelling, beginning, middle, and building on that, uh, and and doing some callbacks to earlier things that you said, which right. is also very funny. And you talked about sort of that five minute comedian, and that's the guy who just one liners, right? Zip 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 yeah. zip. And it's a joke, it's a setup and a joke, a setup and a joke, a right. setup and a joke. So there, it's a different, completely different style of comedy. Right, right. And Just, I, you know, the, the analogy that might work uh, if you're a baseball guy is I'm, I'm a starting pitcher. I'm, I'm a workhorse, <laughs> if you will. Uh, I, I'm, I have, and a reliever might come in and throw heat and they, you know, I can't match a reliever for one inning. You know, they'll throw right. their best stuff and they'll just smoke you, you know, and I, I have to mix up my, my arm angle and my location and my rhythm. And uh, I think of it, I really do think of my act like a starting pitcher. Um, I want to, I want to surprise you as much, you know, the third or fourth time around as I did in the first at bat. So I try and have a lot of variety, mix it up, but then pull it all back together. Yeah. It's an art, and I, I think uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that it's an art form that gets lost on most of us because we don't understand the, tech, the technique behind it. But what you're doing is actually much harder because it's not just a joke, a setup, and then a punchline. It's a story, and in that story, you're building context. And then within that context, you're making things funny again by coming back around to them when you don't expect it. And that is not easy to do. Uh, and like you say, it takes a little time to sure. allow it to unfold and yeah, yeah. sink in. Uh, so thank you for that uh, explanation. It's a really good, it's, it's good for our audiences to know. And it's good for them to know that, you know, even in, in the world of TV, for example, 
you, if you were to get a spot on, say, a Letterman or a Letterman, I'm dating myself, uh, um, a Jimmy Kimmel or a Fallon, if you were to get a spot on one of them, you'd be forced to do what you do in a short amount of time. So how would you then make it work and make it funny? Yeah, um, I would have to pick out bits, parts of bit, bits that are complete. One of the problems I have is um, when I have pitched myself to shows like that, they typically don't want you to do one topic or two topics. They want a, a mix of things. So Big audience, big because mix. Because I would be much better off saying, you know, here's the bit. One piece, it's five minutes, one topic, works front to back. But they typically are not looking for that. So I have to chop up. I'm like, well, there are jokes in here, but it's like a general story but right. my, my act is very conversational and, and when it works best is when i when i seem authentic and i'm just talking and that's another point that i'd like our listeners to know is it seems so easy but it isn't and that's part of the art right you make right. it easy you make it look easy right it's like when you said earlier like when people don't know that you're doing all this and like and i was going to say but you were yeah i didn't want to interrupt you but uh you know if they do know that i'm doing it then i'm doing something wrong right you know right. the harder the harder you work at comedy the more it looks like you're not working hard at all the more desperate it looks almost <laughs> i would say the less you not work at it, the rude. more it looks like no right the, the less you work at it the more it looks like wow that's a lot of work <laughs> So tell us how you prepare for corporate or private work then, because there's usually a need to address the audience, the demographic. And so tell me how you prepare for that when, when you're faced with that. I have to say corporate is kind of second nature for me because I've, I've been doing corporate for well over 20 years, almost since the beginning of stand-up. My act has always been very um, friendly and very accessible and clean. So uh, I was always a, a natural fit for corporate. I don't have to change much right. at all, really. That's and very true. So, so I already have the act, so that makes it pretty easy. And the longer I do it, the more you know tricks I have up my sleeve in terms of things that I can plug in about that company, but it's something that I did about another company. And then I write some specific stuff, but it's not really all that much. I think you, you, you really, and you nailed it right at the very beginning. See, I'm not afraid to interrupt you, but thank no, you, no, no. by the way. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, with the connection, I'm surprised we're not constantly talking over each other. This is pretty good. Oh, but goodness, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, uh, I think I realized that the first time I saw your act was it was you were natural for corporate. And that was such a beautiful thing because there, were, there was no tailoring that had to be done. There, there was, I didn't feel like I needed to bring you up to speed at all. You already knew what you were dealing with. Right. And there's another side of you that that, that um, maybe you're not aware of, but your ability, your, your flexibility and your, um, your presence when we're talking to you as an agent bringing you on to a booking and your awareness of what you're about to do and your inquisitiveness about who you're going to do it for speaks to who you are because all of that helps you be the best you can be. And you know, you're seeking that information out because you know it in advance. Right. And that says to me as an agent, oh, this guy isn't just thinking about himself. He's thinking about how he can impact these people. Oh yeah. And that's why well, I, I know how, you know, how hard corporate work is to get. And, and I know that the, uh, the bookers, you guys, but also the bookers from the company 
they have a lot on the line. They're, they're, you know, comedy always uh, seems risky and often it is, you know, they're, they're anxious. So part of, part of my job is to, to put them at ease that I got this. I'll have this better if we do this, 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 and this, but I've done this a lot. Here's what to expect. You know, I have now the advantage of, you know, 20 years plus of corporate experience. But right. Early on, I, I realized that, you know, part of my job is to, to put the client at ease, not to seem overconfident, but to put them at ease that, you know, that it's going to be okay. It's going to go well. Here's what the hitches are. Let's try and fix this. Right. Um, no, absolutely. What, what are the possible was, pitfalls? If there are any, please share them up front. There was, well, that's the thing. Like there's, big, what questions to ask? And I think that's what helps right. put the clients at ease. Right. Because they feel like you're just on that same playing field, that same level with that. I always look at it as my job in the corporate, because I'm getting paid more than I would normally get paid, is to make you look good and make the, the person who booked me in the company look good. And then they'll want to do it again. They'll feel good about the experience. That's, that's really the whole job description in the corporate event. And that's um, over and above your own nerves? your own, you know, well, issues. I mean, it really is. You have to put that forward. It's not that those things don't exist. It's just uh, what I'm pointing out is that it's, it's not always easy to have somebody else's point of view in mind, especially right. as an artist when you're about to take the stage or you're there to do a certain job. And in right. your case, you're, you're being very thoughtful. And that's what we look for. Well, I don't know if you remember a certain gig in a ship hangar. It stands out to me as one of the hardest. Uh, they really wanted it to work, though, you know? And so I, I had reservations ahead of time. And Was this at the Midway? Yeah, I think so. I believe that you guys conveyed those reservations as well, and they still wanted to go through with it. So I'm like, okay, but just so you know, there this are, is going to be right. problematic, right? So I had no idea. I mean, when I got there, I was like, oh, my God. Okay. I said, I'll... I will make the best that can be made out of this situation, but I'm going to warn you right now, this is not going to go well. I just have to tell you, there's no, there's no way. So what were some so of the I'm, things? I'll be, a, I'll be a trooper. Okay. So first yeah. of all, it was, um, it was in a ship hangar, which acoustically is crazy, right? Ceilings are 150 feet high and it's, it's all steel, 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 steel. all yeah. steel. Right. There's 500 people. Mm -hmm. The stage has two giant, I don't know, five foot pillars in front. And mm -hmm. the people are on this side and on this side. Mm -hmm. And they can't even see me. Mm -hmm. There's an empty dance floor up front. Mm -hmm. And the whole building is long ways like this. So I'm playing to literally nobody. They can't see me. There's nobody you're, even close to me. To, you're probably to, 30, 40 feet away from the first guess. I'm yeah, from a, from a half from dozen people, I'm 30, 40 feet away. Yeah. I'm 80 feet away from anybody else. They, the people who are trying to listen to me on the dance floor in front of these huge, big, loud speakers, 30 feet away, are trying to make out what I'm saying because it's so mushy. And they're right there. There's also casino games going on at the same time. They're eating and they're milling about. Mm -hmm. And I'm playing sets between the band. Yeah. And literally nobody even knows that I'm on stage except for the half dozen people who are actually trying to, standing up, trying to listen out of curiosity. And yeah. I do three 20 minute sets. <laughs> and after the second set, and I was just basically trying to get people's attention the whole time, just to even engage somebody to come in. And after the second set, they're like, you know what? You don't have to do the third set. <laughs> and how does that make you feel, Don? I was relieved in that situation because right. th that wasn't doing anybody any good for me to go back right. out there. It was just, it was just making it 
the whole situation right. looked bad. But it didn't make you didn't you didn't feel good about it from the beginning because it really knowing it wasn't the right situation. Yeah. And, and I'm just making a point here, and that is that's what we try to do is put our artists in the right situation always and to counsel our clients on that. In this case, it was a client who was insistent on what yeah. would work and yeah. didn't care about the rest of the audience. And we do deal with that quite a bit in our arena, although we try very hard to tell, uh, you know, counsel our clients. In this case, you were put in the wrong setting. The right. sound was not uh, configured for you. The room was not configured for you. The event yeah. was not configured for you. <laughs> right. It was configured for something else. And they yeah. threw you in. And yeah, uh, yeah that's, but, the, that's the the point was also that you know when i heard about it initially i tried you know warn people of i kind of knew it was not going to be great at all but when i got there i had to tell them like i don't want you to think that i'm sucking up there because if i have to tell you it's this is not going to you know it's not me. right 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 it's, <laughs> and, it's hard it's it's but uncomfortable. It's, important too that they know that i feel like if something doesn't go well and i would say most most of the gigs 98 percent go really well and a lot of times it's because something needs to be changed beforehand and i will try and be as insistent as i can without being look i don't want to be a diva but i've done this a lot and if, if you don't change this it's going to be a lot more difficult for me to engage a lot of times it's how how the room's oh, needed yes. how far a dance floor in front yes. is empty space uh, part of my job is to file away what works and doesn't work mm -hmm. and advise people up front so that i I set myself up to succeed, uh, which is what they want anyways. Right. And the willingness to sort of go in no matter what the situation is, is also very, uh, very appreciated. I think the combination of both, you know, it's sort of that can do attitude, but right. let's be prepared for what could happen. <laughs> right. uh, you know, that's the, I think that's the best way to approach it quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, because you're being forward and, and forthright about the, the possible pitfalls, but you're also willing to go and, and play the game. And in this, in this arena, that's 90% of it, really, right. honestly, because we're dealing with people who don't know our art. They don't know our craft. And so part of what we do is to try to instruct them and teach them, right? And if we're smart, we do it in a way that doesn't alienate ourselves so that they call us again. Uh, so, you know, I, I, we, we really appreciate that about you. Oh, um, so thank you. I'd like to ask you about Inexplicable. What's that? That's my first uh, first DVD, CD, self-produced back in 2006. That was my first. Oh, it's on your website. So are you re, are you, I just it's saw just it. It's still for sale. And it's playing on satellite radio, you know, Knockwood, mm -hmm. uh, a lot for the last, uh, bought half my house. <laughs> God bless. And Netflix, you had a, you had a special on Netflix? Yes, uh, Ask Your Mom. Did you? Showtime, Showtime one hour special. Uh, it was on Showtime initially um, for about two years, and it was on Netflix for off and on for another two years. It's not currently nice. on. Tell us what you're doing uh, to accommodate this virtual phenomenon we're in now. This. I know you're doing nowhere theater. <laughs> you're doing nowhere comedy theater. Yeah. yeah. You've got a setup. You you know you're you're preparing yourself and prepping yourself and yeah. talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, I, I first month I was a little just kind of yeah, spend some time at home, you know, see where this thing's going, see where the pandemic is going and stay safe and just, you know, shore up things at home, spend time with the kids. And uh, then, then in April, I started kind of seeing the writing on the wall that um, uh, this was not the way this was being managed. It was probably not going to 
go away anytime soon. And I thought, well, I better figure out what to do the next year at least. So then I started looking into a green screen and all the different lights and cameras and all this stuff. And, uh, um, my son's a real techie guy. Uh, so he's, he's great at that. He's helped me set up. So I'm set up to do, um, you know, Zoom shows and I'm, I'm trying to up the quality of uh, sound and lighting and all my tricks that I can do, you know. I still have more to learn, um, but I'm trying to, you know, get it up to speed where I can do a high quality show and do anything, you know, technically that's available to be done. And I'm actually trying to, I'm trying to figure out whether it's even remotely possible to do a, because I was about to take my next special before COVID hit. I was, I in was, May, right. In May, at the end of May, I was all set to, uh, with a few, I hadn't put the deposit down yet. We were looking, we were going through all the technical specs and everything. And had, had it been two weeks later, I would have probably lost a huge deposit because I was, I was really close to signing on and we were going to tape it and try and sell it. Uh, I was going to self-produce it and try and sell it to um, Showtime or one of the major networks, Netflix. And it was a, my next hour special. I've been working on it for years. Nice. Uh, so you have a title? now I'm trying to figure out, do I want to wait? Well, um, I had a working title was, uh, what was it? <laughs> Not only forgot my act, I forgot what I was going to do. <laughs> I think uh, you better do it soon, man. You're not getting any younger. Yeah. You <laughs> might forget learned. everything. Right. Hey, now. Lesson, lesson learned. That's what I was going to call lesson it. Learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. My mother says she's good at learning. She's just not good at remembering. That sounds like the right. same thing. Lesson, lesson forgot is the, <laughs> right, is right. the joke in it. Like, I learned it, but then I forgot what I learned. So, you know. so um, what, what's holding you up from moving forward? On the special? Yes. Um, yes. An audience? Yes, that's key, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it key to comedy having an audience? Yeah. Yes. So now I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if there's any realistic path to bring in some 5K cameras and professional lights and do a multi-camera shoot literally in my place and add the laughs in from other shows that I've done those same jokes, combine it with some Zoom laughs and, and to put out a caliber of tape that you could literally sell to, you know, Showtime, right. Showtime or something. It's, it's, it would be kind of a concept piece. So I need to talk to some people to see if that's even realistic, but that's, that's my current thinking. Uh, I applaud that, you know, uh, thinking outside of the proverbial box and looking for opportunities. Right. And, right. you know, seeing how you could sort of catapult pivot our word of last week, pivot, pivot, pivot. Uh, into, right. you know, into a new, uh, not a new career, but sort of, you know, the next level, I guess. Uh, let us into know. Into virtual stardom. That's right. <laughs> Who knew it would be so popular? <laughs> Listen, tell us how we can help you in that endeavor. Anytime, we, we would love to support you and help you. <laughs> and you need some help. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, I'd love to play a little game with you before we. I do need, I do need some help. Uh, times have been tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you, Anthony. If you could come up with some high dollar corporate events, that would. Uh, no. We're getting there. Do you want laughers? Do you want 
speakers in your group too, you know? Do you need exactly. people when that, that, when that music plays to really give out a good sob, get people on board with, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with us? Anything at all? I have some passcodes. Oh, um, write these down. I could give you. Okay. Uh, there's no money left in the account, so why not? You know, Who cares? Right. See that password go to waste. <laughs> hey, you mind playing yeah. a little this or that for us then before we let you go? Yeah, yeah. A little this or that. I, you know, say this or that, and then you tell me which one you like. Do you, right. you mind? Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Rickles or Deloise? Deloise. Betty or Veronica? Ooh. Veronica. Tuba or Piccolo? I'm sorry? Tuba or Piccolo? Tuba. Good for you. I'd hoped you'd say tuba. <laughs> funny instrument. Uh, front seat or back seat? Person, woman, man, camera, TV, um, front seat. Jessica Rabbit or Jessica Simpson? Uh, Jessica Rabbit. Clever wit or slapstick? <sighs> Clever wit. Letterman or Leno? Letterman. Sorry, I answered that one too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Letterman? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don Friesen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. We know we'll be working with you. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. Uh, whether it's virtual or live, we look forward to it. Uh, stay, stay sane and stay authentic. Thanks. You too. Uh, stay cool. Good luck, thanks, good luck to you guys. Stay safe. Thank you. Wow. It was really fun to speak with Don. One thing that's so interesting about him, and it's not uncommon around uh, about um, uh, comedians, the humility and right. the real lack of uh, ego that comes through. Uh, he he's so humble, you know. I mean, I could have pot shot him with jokes all day, and he wouldn't have caught a <laughs> single one because he's just so humble about and so gracious. He has a real genuine desire to help. And that's what I notice whenever I'm working with him. He knows what questions to ask, not in an egotistical way, but in, I know what to add, ask to give you the best product. Mm -hmm. And it, it comes from a real, a real place. And it's never, uh, I, I don't find it at least personally to be offensive or threatening at all. No, uh, not at all. In the way that he presents himself in the way that he would say something like that. Although I would caution any planner, anyone, that you always want to listen when uh, an artist says something uh, important to you like that, because uh, it's oftentimes times is really about the performance and the willingness and the desire to make it as good as it can be. I've never worked with a single person who wanted to fail. Right? We've that, never worked. Yeah, with, absolutely. Right? Everybody wants to give it their best work and do their best work. And the artist just happens to know what works for them. And the good artists 
have, a, have assimilated and ha I know how to accommodate a client while doing that, you know? And that's, and that's the art. Represents. That's the that's art. That's the art. Yeah, good point. All right, well, that was Don Friesen with us, and uh, we should go, huh? Yeah, I think it's about time. Okay, it's been, it's been a long <laughs> podcast. Uh, listen, if you'd like to hear more of us, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. If you go to iTunes and find us, please do rate us. Please give us five stars. Four for Alex, one for me, oh. for me. And uh, please review us. All reviews are good reviews. And also, if none of that appeals to you, just find us at bolotta.com. That's B-O-L-L-O-T-T-A.com. Bye-bye. <laughs>